It's a peaceful protest. We walking, raising awareness. Some of the injustice that we've been seeing is not okay. And as a young person, you gotta you gotta listen to our perspective. Our voices need to be heard. People are gonna look back. Our kids are gonna look back at this and say, "You were a part of that." I got a grandfather that marched next to Dr. King in the '60s, and he was amazing. He would be proud to see us all here. We gotta keep pushing forward. Sports are like the reward of a functional society. Sirius XM Sports presents Forward Progress, a weekly open conversation on race and sports in America. Here are your hosts, Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Welcome to another edition of the program. I'm Jax, that's Kirk. Good to be with you, brother, in a little bit. Another one of our guys back on the program. <laughs> yes, the Black uh, News Channel from Fox Sports. Mike Hill will join us a little later. We'll address this mess in the NCAA tournament. Somebody, uh, uh, we'll, we'll run it back to 1972 and talk about equality uh, yeah. for these fools in Indianapolis. I, I got no time for this one. I got no. I usually have no time for the NCAA regularly, but we'll yeah. we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, but first, let's uh, let's pay our respects. A life, Kirk, of uh, eighty six years is a full one. Yeah, uh, family and friends naturally mourn and grieve. Uh, the rest of us should celebrate right. the life of NBA great Elgin Baylor. Uh, it was uh, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver who said of Baylor, uh, in addition to his legendary playing career, Elgin was a man of principle. He was a leading activist during the height of the civil rights movement in the 50s and 60s, and an individual voice, influential voice among his fellow players. It was Heat President Pat Riley, who played a couple seasons in Los Angeles with Elgin, who said, uh, besides being one of the greatest players in the history of the game, Elgin Baylor was one of the classiest, most dignified men of integrity, integrity I have ever met. He will be missed. Yeah. Uh, let's start first with the man getting his kudos. Uh, he was the first superstar yeah. of this National Basketball Association. There were other stars, right? Uh, Bill Russell was winning all the titles. Will mm-hmm. was scoring all the points. Uh, but nobody was playing above the rim uh, that wasn't a five uh, quite like this man and also had a sweet jumper that he'd love to stand out, you know, at 23 feet in the corner in these days and knock him down. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, for me, Elgin Baylor for, it was, it was a name that I had to do research on. Not recently, but when you learn the game, you keep hearing certain names. When I started watching basketball, it was the Dr. J's, the Elgin Baylor's. It was, um, you know, the, the George Gervin's. It was the guys who your dad would tell you, hey, man, this dude was a bad man. And you're like, okay, I want to watch more of them. Remember, we didn't have YouTube. We just had highlights, which I think probably was better because the highlights, you were like, oh, this dude was actually kind of good. Because you see him now and you can't picture the player. You see them now, you're like, oh, that guy was good. You're trying to figure out, how, okay, well, what did, what did he do? And then you start to watch the clips. And now that everything is starting to get remastered, Jax, you know what I mean? Everything is now starting, the, the old tapes are now starting to play. Now we have actual channels to watch it on NBA TV now. And you can see these old games. You're like, man, this dude could ball. Like, I see why everybody kept talking about Elgin Baylor, Elgin Baylor, and how he was before Dr. J, how he was before Michael Jordan, how he was before LeBron James. And now, guys, you start to see it like, man, like this dude could actually play basketball. But for me, I think of him as an executive though. 
Right. I think of him as one of the first years, black, right? Yes. One of the first black executives, you know, in the NBA, like Elgin Baylor executive. And then, you know, having uh play for the Lakers and number, you know, lifted up to the in the rafters, like you gotta be a baller to get your number retired. You know what I mean? Like they just don't do that for anybody. Because some good basketball players don't have their number retired. So for me, that when when I think of that name, Elgin Baylor, is it's first of all, ain't too many brothers named Elgin. That's the that's no. It stands out. Word up. It stands out for sure. You say Elgin, like oh man, that's an old school basketball player. But it stands out to a guy who you felt like was you know a family member, right? right. Man, you see, you hear Elgin, you like okay, that that first of all, I feel like it's some, it's some some sort of kin to me. But you you felt that he was one of the pioneers for black athletes. Black basketball players, mm-hmm. guys who had to go through a lot um, in order to be out there on the court, but yet their play on the court stood out much higher than what was going on off the court. And I still never want to, you know, take away from what they probably had to go through and what he had to go through being a black executive and then being in a world in which or being in a NBA in which the owners are predominantly white. And yet trying to have that voice and say, hey, this league was built on some of the backs of the players who I played with. Let's talk about who he worked for. Uh, After being uh, a head coach in New Orleans, uh, he found his way to this front office job as the general manager of the Clippers. We know that he worked there for 22 years. Correct. And all those years were for Donald Sterling. And we know the Donald Sterling story. That fool say anything out the side of his mouth trying to show us something different in public. But. Somebody recorded it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Finally got to the bottom of all that <laughs> bullshit. So, I mean, uh, hey, listen, uh, give Elton credit. They probably right. heard and, and swallowed a, a bunch of mess uh, working for that man. Uh, but uh, back in 2014, Elgin and his wife, Elaine, were on CNN with uh, Anderson Cooper and had some, some sterling stories to tell. Elgin, you worked with Donald Sterling for 22 years. What was your reaction when you first heard that tape? I, when I first heard it, I, it just brought back memories of some of the things that were uh, said, you know, by Don. And some did, did it surprise No, it didn't surprise me what, at all, no. That was the, that's the Donald Sterling you know? That's the Donald Sterling I know. Uh, he says a lot of things, different things. He had different moods, mood swings, so you never know what he's going to say or do. Do you think he even realizes what he's saying? He's an intelligent man great businessman, so I'm sure he's aware of what he's doing, what he's saying, because there are times when I would say things to him and say, hey, you know, that's, you know, you shouldn't say things, certain things that he would say and do. You know, I would express my opinion. Do you think he's a racist? Of course he is. There's no doubt in my mind now. At the time, I thought then and no doubt now that he is. I think he is. You were asked, I think, during a deposition about whether he had ever made racist remarks to you. And you said that he hadn't directly said anything to you. Is that is that true? Not to me personally. Not to me personally, no. I would have knocked him out. No, he didn't say anything to me personally. No. He's smart enough not to do it directly, but you know. No, but it, and then I would get into arguments with him all the time about it. Really? And he would say, well, that's the way I feel. So the issue of race would come up a lot. Okay, not a lot. You know, occasionally it might come up, you know, by players. Donald thinks if it weren't for him, all of those guys would be playing basketball in the ghetto somewhere. Actually, when Elgin first started, 
he told Elgin to go out in the inner city and see if he could find some players on the basketball courts. <laughs> he, he said just go out yeah, to the neighborhood. You got to find those, you know, there's some great was, black players you know, out there, you know, yeah, the playground. You know, <laughs> Why don't you go to the playgrounds and stuff to scout and look at players? <laughs> but it was like crazy. I mean, yeah. really crazy. When he was on the witness stand, he claimed that he didn't even know your yeah. history with the NBA. <laughs> I'm not a sports guy. I know your history with the but NBA. That's, that's dumb. That's dumb. I know. That's dumb. Her, can you imagine having the first? Yeah. You're, you're, you know, I don't use owner anymore in this league, so I'll, I'll right. say the governor, right. the governor of that uh -huh. team calling you one of the greatest ever, right? You know where the good ball is. You, you, right. you don't need any suggestions about where to go. This fool. <laughs> That's all I got. That's all yeah. I got. Tell him, just go down, to, go down to Venice Beach and go find some basketball oh players. God, it's like, are you serious? It, it's also, it's, it's kind of disrespectful to the man, though. Entirely. It's disrespectful to the, the culture of the game. To a guy like Elgin, who was one of the, you know, top 50 players in the NBA, putting on wearing that jacket and... All of a sudden, you know, Hall of Famer, and then all of a sudden, you tell him, "Yeah, just go down the street and go find me some basketball. Go to the rec courts. Go, go find like that." Doesn't happen. This ain't this ain't a this ain't a pickup game. This is a National Basketball Association. You you know the hard work that you got to put in to do that, and you know I I can only see the difficulty it was for him because here you are having to listen to this man, but then at the same time you know, you're in a position that a lot of other guys would love to be in, in terms of having some sort of say as a general manager, but yet you have to listen to the guy who was above you. Mm -hmm. And I know he's probably only limited to a couple stories in the little clip there, but I can only imagine what he had to endure just to hold that title of executive general manager with the Clippers. It's pretty amazing what a life. What a life. Never got that title. He got hurt that 71-72 that, that season. Mm. Was 0-8. Thanks, Celtics. Appreciate you. <laughs> uh, but man turned it into a wonderful uh, coaching career and then into the front office. And uh, I hope that we spend this time giving him his due, elevating him into that proper space. Man, there was a season, I want to say it was 63 or 64, where he averaged like mm. 35 and 19. Wow. But Wilt was in the business of averaging <laughs> 25 that year. So it's always kind of like been that way for him right. in his career, right? Yeah. it's You know, sometimes it's like you can do me at your best, but yet someone else is that much better. Sure. I know for me, my era is like you look at everything that Carl Malone did. And right. Like, oh, oh, sorry, Michael Jordan's playing in that era. Charles too. Barkley. Come on. Charles, yeah, Barkley. All those guys, you yeah. know. And even in football, you know, down by your way, you think about the greatness of Dan Marino, yet. You got all these guys on the opposite side, whether it was yeah. the Brett Favre, you got Peyton Manning who had started off, and mm -hmm. obviously, you know, Tom Brady and all those guys, but it was that, or John, John Elway's the better one because he was part of that draft class where yeah. Dan's trying to do what he can do, but yet you got all these other guys who. And Jim kept going, right? Yeah. <laughs> Jim Kelly kept going, couldn't get over the hump, so kept going and rolling. Hey, let's take a quick break. When we come back, um, we're going to introduce many of you. Uh, to BNC, the Black News Channel.
Mm-hmm. Uh, their morning show is Start Your Day with Sharon and Mike. The Mike portion of that program connected to each of us in different points in his career uh, timeline is Mike Hill. We'll talk to our buddy as Forward Progress continues. You're listening to Forward Progress on Sirius XM Radio. The program continues and we waste no time to get to our next guest, a television star here on Forward Progress with Jackson and Morrison. My man, my colleague, my friend from Fox Sports as well as the Black News Channel, Mike Hill with us. How are you, sir? Jay Jack, Kurt, what's up, y'all? Come on, man. We're so glad to have you on our little cross section of sports and race, man. Listen. Bruh, this is uh, it's unfortunate we got to talk about it, man, but I'm glad we got a platform to do it, right? Listen, absolutely. We've been fortunate mm-hmm. since everything jumped crazy once again this past summer to, to work for SiriusXM that gives us this weekly space uh, to, to speak with uh, illustrious individuals like yourself. You, sir, like Kirk and I, understand the importance in this business, so we're going to go ahead and talk to the young broadcasters coming up. Um, you have to have your integrity. You have to work hard. But don't yeah. ever be afraid of multiple streams of income. Oh, bro. I learned. <laughs> First of all, I got too many bills to have just one, dog. I got to mm-hmm. have the checks coming in. Kirk knows. Kirk and I used to do a radio show together yeah. at Fox Sports Radio. And uh, then, you know, I was at Fox Sports. And I've always been in any kind of production uh, industry. I actually got into broadcasting, trying to get into acting. So I'm doing some acting now own company. I had to write a book, man, talking about my life that addressed a lot of the traumas that happened in my life early on called Open Mic. So absolutely, brother. I always tell kids, don't just pigeonhole yourself into one thing. I don't even like being called a sportscaster. I like being called a broadcaster because when you say you're a broadcaster, that means that's broad. That's not being just a sports guy. You can be a TV host. You can be an anchor. You can do all these different types of things, man, so that you always kind of keep yourself valuable. You know, like I want to go back just a little bit further. And I know we go way back, but yeah. I think people look at you now when they see you as this broadcaster, they see you on TV, they see, you know, everything that you're doing now. But for me, I'm always remember like during like the Veterans Day and Military Appreciation Day that you served in the military too. You you've done things in which people don't know, like it, it just didn't come to you right away. It just, at some point you said, you know what, this is what I want to do. So kind of take me back just a little bit to how you first got involved in being a sportscaster. Yeah. I mean, it was through the military. I, like I said, I wanted to be an actor. Uh, I wanted to get into to TV uh, that way uh, through acting, but I knew that a way to me and getting to acting was just actually just get on television. But uh, when I got out of high school, I wasn't necessarily ready for college, so to speak, because I didn't have the discipline. So I decided to go the military route and the military route obviously taught me my discipline, but it also gave me an opportunity to to join an organization like the National Security Agency. I was at NSA. I still don't know how I got a top secret clearance. Y'all. I guess they didn't do the greatest background check on me or my family. Uh, it was before 911. That's all I can say. But I got one, man. And I worked at NSA. And when I worked at NSA, I was in school. Uh, and, and started uh, interning uh, at a sports department in Baltimore, Maryland. And uh, But I also was doing a news show uh, for the National Security Agency where we was giving reports uh, to the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, to the President, uh, to Congress, you know, just giving these briefings. Instead of being in briefings, we was at a news desk. And the day I got out of the military is the day I got my first job in broadcasting. And, uh, you know, that was 26 years ago, man. So when people say... Um, 
things like stick to sports, and I'm glad we're talking about this right now. I always hit them back with, well, I'm much more than sports. I'm way more. Sports is something that I do, something that I do. It is not who I am. I'm a father. Uh, I'm a husband now, once again, for the third time. Can you believe that? But uh, <laughs> but I'm also a military vet who has that top secret clearance that fought for your freedoms and fought for our rights to be able to speak up and say the things that we need to say uh, in society to ensure that we, especially as black people, get the equality that we want, man. So, uh, you know, I applaud anybody that uses their platform for that for that reason. Broadcaster Mike Hill with us here on Foral Progress on Sirius XM. Tell us about this new venture, uh, the Black News Channel, your show, Start Your Day with Sharon and Mike. Give us a taste on both. Yeah. Yeah, man, it, and it's, it is Start Your Day with Sharon. It's a new morning show. That's when my I got bags under my eyes right now. I have to be up at uh, 3 o'clock in the morning on the East Coast, 12 o'clock in the morning on the West Coast in order to do this show, which comes on between 6 and 10. It's on BNC, the Black News Channel, a show that actually, uh, a network that actually launched last year, but they relaunched it this year. I'm on there with the uh, fabulous, uh, you know, you guys have heard of Sharon Reed. She worked in Cleveland. She worked in Atlanta. Beautiful lady, but she is also tenacious. Uh, she is so smart and just it's a really good mix. And I don't know whose idea it was to put us together, but it works out. And uh, already we've hit the ground running with our chemistry. Uh, people are really loving the show. Uh, and it's for us. You know, it's for black people. You know, we we. Uh, obviously, you know, white people can watch it, so we're not discriminating from that. Uh, but it's, it's a show that kind of highlights and gives a platform to the voices and the people uh, that need a little bit more time or people that you've never heard of before that we can introduce people to. So we talk about topics, we talk about what's going on in, in Boulder, uh, Colorado today. Uh, but we also talk about, you know, how, uh, you know, sometimes police reform and the Derek Chauvin trial and how that's going and how that's affecting us in our community. So but we also have a lot of fun as well. Uh, just spotlighting, like I said, the people that need to have a little bit more attention and the people that are getting attention. We give them a little bit more time to talk because sometimes their stories aren't heard enough. You know, Mike, being able to be unfiltered a little bit, you know, being in that realm of. I, I think for me, seeing that you've been in those production meetings and yet mm. you have to read the headline, but you can't necessarily go in depth into the story. Mm -hmm. And now being able to kind of go in depth to where for you, you kind of just had to do it because it was news. But now it's, it's a couple layers into it now. Being able to do that now, Mike, how, how has that been for you? liberating so friend i mean well you know how, you know how it is sometimes you know you guys been in this game for a long time you understand sometimes you, you have stories and then especially if you're on certain networks or you're on certain platforms they tell you okay well we don't go too far you know even right. your bosses will tell you to stick to sports or stick to this or whatever we don't know that on this show of course we want to get the facts out uh but we're also going to give you our opinions and let you know how we feel what we feel inside our soul because we can relate to that and the great thing about bnc is that you also have people behind the scenes bruh that understand the stories that need to be told and how they need to be told and they're not afraid to go out there and say exactly how we feel and they give us that freedom to say it so, yeah, I've been in situations when I was at J-Jack and we both of us worked at ESPN. You know how that goes. Mm -hmm. And just the balance of how uh, stories are told or, you know, uh, you know, when, when it comes to a black athlete versus a white athlete. Wrong is wrong. And we're going to call out the wrong. We need to call out the wrong. But at the same time, if 
uh, a guy like Ben Roethlisberger is, you know, is doing something that's dirty out there. And you look at Deshaun Watson, we're going to give both of them the equal treatment. We ain't going to say, okay, Ben gets away with it. And I'm not just specifying Ben, but you know what I'm trying to go here. We ain't just going to specify like the black athlete and say, oh, he's so bad and he's so crazy and this and that, and he should be kicked out of the league and not hold the white athlete accountable as well. It's Mike Kelly with us here on Forward Progress, Kurt Morrison, Jason Jackson. Uh, I want you to put on your sports broadcaster hat, your college basketball hat, and walk us through this mess that the NCAA rolled out in the differing uh, accoutrements for the men and the women, and really the sloppy moonwalk to try to get it better in a couple of days. Yeah, man, look, we had Ivory Ladd on the show, former North Carolina uh, Tar Heel, uh, two-time WNBA All-Star talking about it. And it's, like you said, it is, it's a mess. Um, for them to even come out and basically say something about the lack of space. <laughs> Are you serious? They gave them a rack of weights, not a weight room, a rack of weights, something that I could have right in my den right here. You know, you're talking about a, a business that, they did sign a $500 million contract with ESPN and other uh, networks. So they got money coming in. But my girl, Jamel Hill, said it best. They just don't care. And the thing about the reason why they don't care is they felt like they believed that nobody else would give a damn. Nobody else would say anything about it. So I applaud the young lady from Oregon for having the courage to speak up and put that out on blast and let people know the discrepancy between the women and the men's game. Because we do care. And the women that play this sport, they also know that, that we have their back. Enough people do have their back, and we're not going to put up with it. So uh, the NCAA, in a reactionary move, obviously did the right thing and, and brought in the weights and uh, tried to make the amenities better. But we've seen this far beyond the NCAA women's. We saw it in the, in the bubble last year. Uh, how the NBA uh, men live uh, compared to the WNBA players. We're talking about they had rat traps in their laundry room and and, 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 and their meals weren't as, as good as the men. I understand the money that is being brought in. I get that. But at the same time, there is a sense of equality and then there's a sense of just total disrespect. And I think when it comes to the women and women's sports in general, I think there has been a total uh, disrespect. Uh, from a lot of these men who try to run these organizations and these sports. You know, Mike, since the summer of 2020, you know, after, um, you know, the murder of George Floyd and you, we, we, we talk about it, the awakening here on Forward Progress a lot because we mm -hmm. saw so many people start to now have their voices heard, had to speak out because it was something that you just could not deny. You couldn't say it's not happening because we see it right there in front of us. But where have you seen sports now have gone from kind of that moment in time last year to where it's at now in terms of what we see uh, a player advocacy, player being able to speak up and not feel like the world's going to crash down on them because of their opinion? Yeah, it was last year. It was after George Floyd. You got throwing Ahmaud Arbery, uh, right. Brown Taylor. You got throwing all. I think last year just changed the whole dynamic. Of course, we saw Colin Kaepernick doing what he's done. Uh, uh, over the years, but now everybody became Colin Kaepernick. And I got to give love and respect to LeBron James. That's why I love that guy. You know, not necessarily for what he does on the basketball court, but his fight uh, and his advocacy and, and his leadership off the basketball court. I mean, and it goes back years talking about he and Chris Paul and uh, Carmelo Anthony uh, stood up at the ESPYs uh, and, and talked about the equality or whatnot. And how LeBron has always been at the forefront of not 
being quiet. Uh, when he was there in Miami with you, Jason Jackson, uh, with uh, the Trayvon Martin situation, uh, the Heat was one of the first teams I remember uh, a long time ago yeah. putting on the hoodies, the hoodies. and covering yeah. their faces or whatever and doing that. Those are the types of things that uh, I think an athlete, an entertainer, or we as broadcasters, we who have an audience and people uh, listen to us for the most part or whatnot, we have a, a responsibility to speak our minds because we are beyond just being a sportscaster or a broadcaster. We are husbands. We are fathers. Yeah. And you got to worry about what your kids are doing now and what kind of treatments, the treatment your kids are getting out there, even your mom, your, your sisters and your brothers. So if we're not speaking up for ourselves, we at least need to speak up for them. And that's why I love that everybody now, uh, if you're an athlete and you have a platform, everyone has become Colin Kaepernick. And I love it. And they need to continue that uh, because we got to keep our feet on the gas because what happens is they give you a little bit of a bone and you feel like you're equal and then they move the goalposts, much like they're doing in voting right now, guys. Mm. Be aware of that. Watch how they're trying it, yeah. to suppress the vote. Think, think about it. Mm. 2020, we came out. They saw how much, po how much power we had when it came to voting. Now all of a sudden, oh, we don't have the advantage anymore. Man, we need to change things. Man, stay woke, bro. Stay woke. That's Mike Hill preaching right now here Preaching. on the News Channel with us here <laughs> on Forward Progress. Uh, you spent um, many years as a host and reporter with the Los Angeles Clippers. We started off this program uh, singing the praises of the great first superstar of the National Basketball Association. That's one, Elgin Baylor. Uh, give you some yeah. time to remember this, man. I know his family and friends are mourning. Let's celebrate him because he's yeah. probably one of the most underrated stars this league has ever seen. You, you took the words right out of my mouth, man. When you talk about, I mean, he's one of the greatest players of all time, but when you talk about one of the greatest top 10, you, you never hear about Elgin Baylor being in someone's top 10 list. And this guy was, like you said, a superstar. He wasn't just a star in the NBA. He was one of the first superstars, the guy playing above the rim. He got a statue outside of a Staples Center. And let's give him credit and respect, even though he was with the Clippers and they didn't have a lot of winning seasons, he was one of the first black executives that I saw as well. Right. And that meant a lot to me, too, because, you know, we can have the players over the 75% of the league of black players, whatever, but I, I like to see more black men in the front office, and we, we have that today. And he also stood up and said what was on his mind a long time before the players and the coaches and we found out about the tapes and what Donald Sterling was saying about Magic Johnson this man was telling us about Donald Sterling a long time ago and a lot of people more people should have listened to him so he was fearless when it came to that uh, I didn't know him uh, personally I would see him around it but every time I saw him he had a smile on his face and uh, from all indications was a great guy so yeah you know the the NBA and just the community in general we've lost a great one and uh, I'm praying for his soul and praying for his family uh, and, and their loss today. I always say that Mike Hill's a man of the culture. Not only is it television, it's radio, it, it's styling, it's modeling, it's dressing. What you, what you listening to now, Mike? Man, what, what you got? What, what's the tunes of Mike Hill right now? How do you decompress with everything after the show? Being at home, you see the home life. How do you decompress now, man? Man, you know what? I when I go to the gym, there's a playlist I have that I listen to that ratchet stuff that I have no idea what I'm listening to. To be honest with you, like my 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 daughter, my 20 year old daughter is in charge of my playlist. I'm like, okay, yeah, I've heard this. There's that Roddy, uh, that Roddy Rich guy. You know, I've become the old uncle. That's what I. Uh, I think that's. Uh, I think that might be uh, the Quavo people. Uh, that, Quavo people. <laughs> you know, so, 
Yeah, that might be the the the, the amigos, I, you know. So I'm that type of person. I know certain songs that I like. I just don't know the lyrics. And I just kind of bob my head to them. But when I relax and decompress, man, I'm I'm an Osley Brothers guy, bro. I'm an old school man. I'm married now. Bro. I'm yeah. a grown man, you know. You know, I'm 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 between the sheets type of person, man. Yes, you know, Earth, wind, and fire. I like the old Al Green. <laughs> Listen to the stuff that my mama used to play back on Saturdays when she was cleaning up the house. Making me get the old album covers to use it as a dustpan. You know what I mean? So y'all don't know nothing about that. Y'all too young to remember that type of <laughs> no. man. But, but no, that's what I do to decompress, man. So uh, yeah. I, and Kirk, you always used to ask me that too. I love always. You, Kirk, used, Kirk used to always be the one that kept me hip. You know, he, he knew all the lyrics. He, 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 he you know, we, we used to watch uh, Power, uh, oh, yeah. come back and do a little Power recap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All that. Yeah. See, I keep Kirk it. I, would I, never, when, when I was single, though, Jason, Kurt would never hook me up with any of his wife's fine friends. That hey, man. <laughs> you don't have to hear about it later, Kurt. You don't have to hear about it? Hey, man, I was making sure. I was like, look, man, you know, Mike, that's a good dude. That's a good brother, man. I don't want to let you down, Mike. You know what I mean? Oh, well, I, like that. That <laughs> I don't want to let you down. That got turned around nice. <laughs> no, but I, I last one, no, Mike. I do want to leave it because you know, obviously the the cross section between sports broadcasting and just uh, just everything life in general. Right now, when you do see sports and and obviously basketball, watching football and everything like that. Right now, what's been the best one for you to cover? Ooh, um, I think to to cover has been. I, I really got into college basketball a lot, man, being in Fox Sports. You know, I know the, the, the players change and uh, and they had to go through the whole COVID situation this year or whatever, man. But I, 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 had, I enjoyed covering college basketball this past year. Uh, and the Big Ten, I thought the Big Ten was going to run crazy in the NCAA <laughs> man. tournament. That has been the biggest disappointment in March Madness history. Thank you, Jawan, for holding yes. it together, right? Yeah, yeah thank you, Jawan, for being the only one standing out of nine, but Overall, man, I'm, I'm rooting for, like, Gonzaga, you know, a team that hasn't won it comes so close, whatever. But, yeah, college basketball for, you know, what they've um, they've been able to, to, to uh, foster through and make it happen. And, and you know, once again, shout out to uh, the players. Uh, once we get cross-section, uh, I go back to BNC of guys like EJ Liddell, who's had to overcome idiot, you know, idiot uh, fans out there who want to be uh, yeah. internet gangsters. And we just heard about Kofi Colburn going through the same thing. So uh, those are the type of things that when you hear uh, college students bringing it to light and the young lady from Oregon who had the courage to speak up, whatever. That makes me feel good about young people taking our country into the future because yeah. they have their heads on their shoulders the right way and they're doing it the right way. Right place for us to hit pause. Mike Hill, we thank you for the time. Start your day with Sharon and Mike. Log on to bnc.tv. Learn all about it. Check it all out. Brother, we appreciate you. Man, I appreciate y'all, man. Much love, brothers. Absolutely. When we come back, we dive inside that topic. We discuss with Mike the women's tournament versus the men's tournament. The NCAA under fire, apologize and try to clean it all up. We'll discuss Mm -hmm. it when we come back on Forward Progress. Listening to Sirius XM Radio. We now return to Forward Progress. Here's Jason Jackson and Kurt Morrison. We continue. I'm Jason Jackson along with Kurt Morrison. I want to remind you that Digging Up the Past, hosted by Chris Russo, is a historical podcast that takes a deep dive into some of sports' momentous moments, events, 
scenarios with a flair that is uniquely the Mad Dogs. In the newest edition, he's exploring the evolution of the NCAA tournament from inception through 1978. So right before Magic and Larry were balling in that thing. So check out the latest episodes exclusively on the SiriusXM app, free for most subscribers. Download it today and tap podcast to see the best collection of podcasts in one place. We want to give you a little taste. It's Larry Brown talking about Dean Smith, his college head coach, sending him on a recruiting trip because he did work for him before he was the head coach, uh, which ended with North Carolina bringing in the first black player in ACC history. That's Charlie Scott. Additionally, in uh, this clip, Larry's discussing things Dean did to fight for racial equality, sometimes quite quietly, but super effectively. Uh, this is part of episode four of this season of Digging Up the Past. He said, well, look, there's a kid in North Carolina at Laurenburg that might be going to Davidson, and we cannot afford not to see the best players in North Carolina. So I went back to practice, drove to Laurenburg, and watched Charles Scott run up and down the floor at the Laurenburg Institute. And I ran to a payphone. I said, Coach, you got to come down here and see this kid. The next day, we drove down, watched them practice. We watched Charles play, and Coach said, this kid deserves to be at North Carolina. Now, I had no idea, Chris, that black players weren't allowed to play in the ACC, basically, or weren't playing in the ACC. And Coach said, Charles is a good enough student and a quality athlete. He deserves to be here. And at that time when, you know, he recruited Charles, you know, he wasn't the coach that everybody remembered in terms of having all the success. People don't realize he used to go to and sit in and on the counters at luncheonettes that weren't allowed to, you know, serve black people. Coach, when he was in eighth grade in Kansas, went to an integrated school. When he went to high school, it wasn't integrated. And he went before the school board as a ninth grader and said it wasn't fair. So this guy, you know, he was all about doing the right thing. Even though at the time he was doing it, he wasn't so highly regarded. Once again, it's Digging Up the Past, hosted by Chris Russo. You can check it out on the Sirius XM app. Yeah, Dean Smith uh, was something else. To be in that South... Uh, that didn't want anything to do with real transition and real progress. That man, uh, back when he used to smoke all those cigarettes every day, I'm glad he stopped doing that. But <laughs> sometimes stood stoically and quietly, but made things happen, made things change. Well, I think you, it always starts with, with someone who doesn't look like you that has to be the first, right? And Dean Smith, you could tell by... For me, when I think of Dean Smith, I think of obviously the great players who came through North Carolina basketball and a lot of them, uh, you know, men of color, right? Black men who came through there and went on to have great NBA careers, but it kind of put that program on the map. And a lot of it was because of the head coach. And he did it for years on end, years on end. There, there was something about Dean that, that I think guys kind of gravitated to. Um, you knew that he was for you, not against you. It wasn't about the brand. It wasn't about sort of his namesake. It was how can I be the best coach for you, right? And I think, you know, for me in, in my era, when I really first started to understand who Dean Smith was and, and kind of watch him, I think I kind of go back to when, you know, he was probably, I don't know if he was one of the first, but I remember from me watching and I'm talking about all my old Michael Jordan, come fly with me, VHS cassettes. I mean, VHS tapes, Mike, here. Uh, Jackson, I'm talking about where he told Michael Jordan, 
hey, you got to leave. I, you, you can't come back to North Carolina for your senior year. You're talking about, yeah, like before we knew everybody in college basketball, it wasn't no one and done rule back then. You stayed for four, four years. Not yeah, remember right before that, you could you oh. didn't play your freshman year. Oh, yeah, yeah. Kareem, like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had to play, uh, or Lou Alcindor, I should say. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he was Lou Alcindor then, but he he played on the JV team that would beat the varsity team. <laughs> so he had to wait one year, but always think back to when I first watched a clip of Michael Jordan talking about Dean Smith, and Dean was just saying, Michael, you're you're no good to the college basketball. You got to go to the NBA. How many coaches would say that? How many coaches would say, you know what? No, I want you to wait one more year and you can get better at this and get better at that because it would help their job security, which Dean already had that already, but it would be better for the team if Mike came back, but it wouldn't be better for him personally as a player. And so that's kind of what kind of goes through my mind is that when you have a coach that uh, is all about helping a guy reach his, accomplish his dream, but then also help out his family. That's why guys gravitated to Dean Smith. And obviously he was a trailblazer for what he was able to accomplish with his athletes, but being able to look around and say, hey, this isn't right. W what's going on in this conference? This ain't right. We got to change it. And his voice would be loud and proud uh, right now, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Uh, if, uh, the NCAA... Uh, still under fire, regardless of the upgrades they made uh, for the difference in amenities for its men's and women's basketball tournament. Um, listen, they, they upgraded the weight room Saturday for players uh, participating in the women's college basketball tournament in San Antonio. What had been a single um, small rack of dumbbells and, uh, and terrible display of the food tables uh, has now been replaced with uh, a larger space for more equipment, including a variety of bars, racks, and stands. The facilities were upgraded overnight after the organization was widely criticized by players, coaches, and fans alike. I assume that, the, that those apologies are sincere. How the hell does such a thing occur? The billions and billions of dollars just from basketball that, as right. you and I both know, are to be balanced and shared across all men's and women's championships. This is the this is the cash cow. Yeah. Or the NCAA because football spread around in the conferences and goes directly to the schools. You, you gotta be better. Yeah. You gotta be better. And a matter of fact, if I if I'm if I'm on the board of presidents, uh it, it's Mark Emerit. Yeah. I would feel his ass on fire right now. Oh, there you go. Okay, Jack. On fire. Yeah. This is oh. disgusting, Kurt. It's bad. It is. And thoughtless. Uh, yeah, it's thoughtless. Um, I look at it uh, on two sides. And we kind of had a, a little bit of this, um, I would say, the last year. We saw it from, I believe, the Pac-12. We saw it from, I believe, I think, from the ACC a bit or a couple other conferences that thought about, oh, no, the Big Ten, that's what it was. Thought about unionizing as players see this doesn't happen if you have a union in place as players standards, as, right as standards you know what i mean SOP. as much as i'm so upset at what happened for the women 
because that's not right. I mean, I've been to hotels that have had a better gym than they did. And I'm talking about elliptical bike. I'm talking about better set of weights and, and benches and all of that. Mm-hmm. But what they have for these women at the tournament, I honestly, I thought it was a joke. I didn't believe it. And she was like, no, this literally is the workout facility that they left for the women and not, and this is what the men have. So as much as I'm upset about that, this is where collegiate athletes have to find that union because mm. this ain't happening in the NBA. This ain't going to happen in NFL. This ain't happening in Major League Baseball. But when there's no one to check the NCAA, this is what they do. So instead of just saying, you know what, we made a huge mistake. We didn't properly do this. This will be we, we will figure this out. It will be done. Switched up it will never happen again. They didn't even really do that. They tried to make an excuse and say, we didn't have the space. We're like, but there, you can create space. Trust me, you can do that. But without that check and balance, that, that, that's what the NCAA continues to do. They look at the, the men's basketball or men's college, I mean, college football, the revenue driving sport. Mm-hmm. Yes, obviously, like we know the NCAA tournament is a big cash cow. I mean, we look at the television contracts. We look at the the gambling aspect of it. It brings in a ton of money on the men's side, but just as much is the women's side as well. Yeah, a little thing called Title IX. Yeah, down in 1972, <laughs> demanding so, fairness and numbers and facilities and access. Like, come on now. We've been doing this for damn near 50 years. I, I know that it won't happen again, but I'm going to continue to use my voice to say that there has to be some sort of union for the player. There has to be something to say, hey, this is what is needed for players to be at their best. It should not be on the 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 institution. It should not be on the actual team, because that's what happens is, hey, women, okay, you guys, okay, your strength coach, they'll take care of it, mm-hmm. right? Or the men, hey, the, you, we have a facility, you guys can use it. No, it shouldn't be that way. This should be a standard for every single sport, but have a union to stand up to that. And Mark Emmert, no, he wrong. You know he wrong. Much money he over there making up there in the NCAA, man, hey, you know you wrong. I'm telling you, he wouldn't make it. Not with no. <laughs> the guards, he wouldn't make it. Let me give you one that would be the deal breaker for me. Was that? I'm one of these, you know, I, I don't know how many presidents sit on that, that, that direction, that board that he has. I, I, think, I think it's all the Division I presidents, but did you hear what Gino Ariamo shared that was confirmed by the NCAA? Did you hear this one? No, I didn't hear this one. Uh-oh. Told reporters on Friday that the school's men's team was being tested daily with highly accurate uh, PCR coronavirus tests, while his wow. women's team was receiving the anginate Test the quick, cheap one. No offense if you make those, which are less accurate. We all know um, the wow. NCAA had to confirm that the two tournaments are using different testing methods. That would be the end. That's the it. end. They all of them. Him, his deputy, who's overseeing women's wow. basketball, who's ever in charge of the tournament. Bye 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 bye. Now you know they might have wow. contracts and all that. We pay them out. Yeah, pay them all out. What I did love, though, I'm done. I'm done with them. They don't deserve our attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did love Steph and Kyrie and and top college administrators and other Very coaches young. joining. I mean, the, the, listen, the negativity they caught mm-hmm. in the malls offices in Indianapolis 
was both swift <laughs> and consistent. Yeah. <laughs> there was nowhere to hide. They were catching hell from everywhere. Oh, yeah. They had to. Um, yeah. They saw it from everywhere. And I think that they realized that they made the biggest mistake. Um, now, it, to me, it's about revenue sharing. And we got to talk about that. And yeah. obviously, we know, like I said, what the men's is going to bring in. But as much as the women's game is just a part of the fabric of of collegiate sports, you have to find something, Jax, that makes sure that, you know, for me, it's it's the 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 swag bag, right? A lot of people yeah. were talking about when you go to these tournaments, you get, you know, a nice little bag of things to take home oh, with you. Oh, man. And you saw the women's bag versus what the men got. Oh. It was double the size, more things. And the women are like, but I thought we we're supposed to be equal. We got to continue to keep fighting for that, man. That That's, again, it's the NCAA's at fault. And sometimes, Jax, the, the ignorance just needs to be told once. Because I they truly believe that some of them people, they... Just, hey, just give them this, give them this, and don't really understand the repercussions. And now they realize that when you do stuff, you have to go over it. Have a committee say, hey, what are we giving our women? What are we giving our men? Make sure that we are making the things that they're getting, if not even equal, make sure that it is worthwhile. Don't It can't be this much of a disparity between both. And now it, it takes these events to happen because so because now Social media, right? The social media platforms and how quick we were just talking, how quickly what happened? It became a viral storm to where the NCAA is like, this can never happen again. So as much as it was a negative, I feel fully confident now going forward, we won't see this again. I'm glad you brought up that swag bag. It was South Carolina, South Carolina women's uh, basketball coach, their head coach, Don Staley, one of the yeah. best ever. Yes, uh, laid down the wood, by the way. Uh, he said, there is no answer. Yeah. That the NCAA executive leadership led by Mark Emmer can give to explain the disparities. Mark Emmert and his team point blank mm -hmm. chose to create them. The Correct. real issue is not the weight or the swag, the weights or the swag bags. It's that they did not think, did not think that the women's players deserve the same amenities. Mm -hmm as the men. And that's what you were pointing to. Decisions yes. were made. Decisions. And now look, you, there's uh, there's consequences. Yeah. Now they're, they're going to have to I talk so. about these things. Yeah. They, um, now they'll be able to talk about these things now and say, how are our athletes making sure that everything is of equal or to, to the benefit of them? So, you know, honestly, I, uh, I, I, I'm honestly, you're upset at what happened, but I think moving forward, these things can now, like, you can't have this. This is part of the whole diversity and inclusion that we've had in many corporations over the last year. Because right. there's a lot of people who honestly, and I, I believe they just don't know because things have been a certain way for so many years. It's just like, huh, give them this. And they'll be fine. And you're like, no, 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 no. Mm. We're not doing that no more. Like, you, you got to come out of pocket because there's people making a lot of money over there. And you're saying, but you can't do this. Like they gave them a rack of weights and some yoga mats and said, have fun, <laughs> go work out. <laughs> they got the Nautilus over there. Yeah. Sadly, we got to end it there. I know. We'll keep an eye on them. You know please, that, please. Without a doubt. Listen, we thank uh, Mike Hill, our guest today, for swinging by. Uh, that's going to do it for us, for our producer, Pernell Brown, Kirk Morrison. I'm Jason Jackson. We'll talk to you next time.